Hello, and welcome to Capstan Live. We're the podcast that makes sure you pay the real estate taxes you owe and not a dollar more. If you own commercial real estate or advise someone who does, you're in the right place for a real talk about maximizing tax savings. Hello, welcome to another episode of Capstan Live. I'm Helena Carmel, and today's guest is, you know him, you love him. It's Mr. Bruce Johnson. Bruce, thanks for coming back to the pod. How are you? I'm doing great, Helena, especially surviving yet another fabulous tax season here. Thank goodness. Is there any sweeter month than the month of May, Bruce? No. Yeah, it really does feel good. It really does feel good. Uh, Listeners, you know how I always try to get an unequivocal answer out of Bruce? I finally got one. Um, We're doing another in our short take series of podcasts today, and we're going to focus on triple net lease or NNN properties. I know you love these, Bruce. For our listeners, what's a triple net lease property? Well, triple net lease is typically going to be a property that's a standalone with one tenant, and the tenant has very high credit ratings typically and have typically long-term leases in place with extensions available. So you think about retailers such as uh, retail pharmacies, such as CVS and Walgreens, uh, quick quick serve restaurants or other other examples, as well as some other retails, say like Dollar Generals and Dollar Stores and things like that are, are good examples of what we see for triple net lease properties. So these are like reputable tenants. These are names you know, and these are names like uh, an investor would want to see, right? These are tenants you can rely on for the long term. Right. I think that's one of the attractions to the properties is that they're specific. In most cases, they're they're specifically built for that particular tenant. Uh-huh. And the tenant has made a long-term commitment to the property. And the tenant typically has a long track record of, of positive business growth. And, and people like it. It's so attractive because the investor can be pretty hands-off, right? Like the tenant has to manage most of, of the day-to-day and the right. tenant covers the insurance and things like that. Right, Bruce? Yeah. And, and I think that that is another really good point why a lot of investors like them because they're kind of low maintenance from what I understand. Right. Exactly. Um, so I guess it makes sense that we, we seem to be seeing so many of these now post-pandemic because they are, they're reliable tenants. They're an, an easy, an easy lift for an investor and I guess just a solid option. Well, I think the economics too are, are really a draw as well, because again, you've got, as we've talked about a couple times already, the tenants that are typically in these spaces are going to give you a higher probability of having that low maintenance type of relationship. Plus, and I hate to say it, but the decline of the traditional mall means that there's like a lot more attraction for like standalone retail, right? I mean, I feel like like you just don't see old fashioned malls anymore. Instead, you see a lot of standalone. Well, I was reading an article <clears throat> this week that basically was, was talking about with the pandemic being over, that suburban retail is actually seeing a big rebound. So I think that kind of plays into it. But you do see some of these tenants, they might be they might be in an urban setting as well. But for the most part, here at Capstan, we're looking at properties that are in your suburban type of atmospheres or rural as well. Okay. So like you said, so we're talking we're talking dollar stores and we're talking pharmacies, convenience stores. 
You said quick service restaurants, which is that's just a nice way of saying fast food, right? Correct. Yes. Pretty much. It does sound nicer. Yeah. It does. Well, it, it, it encompasses not just your fast food chains, but also could be, <clears throat> for example, say a Starbucks or oh. donuts as well as potentially. Oh, those would so, fall under the category yeah. of quick service. You're right, because right. I don't even think about those uh, in the same category as right. fast food. Oh, so coffee houses and, and such. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. So, so we understand now what a triple net lease property is. So what makes it a good candidate for a cost seg? Well, there's actually a couple of things. Uh, first and first is that there are scenarios, and we see this frequently, that the property itself may be built on a land lease, meaning that the basis of acquisition is all depreciable. Whoa. You don't have to pull land out. And then we will see that frequently in these types of constructions, these types of properties. Wow. Um, and even if land comes out, these properties, as I said before, are typically purpose-built for that specific tenant. Mm-hmm. So, for example, your retail pharmacy arrangement, particularly in today's configuration, you could be seeing up to 30 or so percent being accelerated to the basis. And, of course, you know, that's split between personal property and land improvements. Now, dollar stores or those types of retail, those aren't going to be as high yield. Just because if you think about most of the fit out is very, very plain Jane. There's not much in the way of specialty. Right. So there's no pharmacy. There's the case of pharmacy. So in that case, you might be seeing anywhere from 18 to 25%. Still nothing to sneeze at. Correct, correct. But those those stores tend to be smaller. So Mm -hmm. again, proportional to the basis that the yield may not be up there with uh, say those triple net lease. Pharmacy, retail pharmacies, which we see trading at five plus million dollars a piece. So wow. the basis really does have an impact. Obviously, the yield, uh, the percent moved and the overall yield is commensurate with the basis there. Right. No, that's fascinating. And obviously, these are usually freestanding. So you've got all the land improvements that Co- we're talking co- about, correct, right? Correct. And, and like with quick serve restaurants... The land improvements can be pretty significant in relation oh. to the building. The building might only be 4,000 square feet, but you've got a parking lot that, that encompasses that as well as all of the other various land improvements that are in, in, involved. So in a quick serve restaurant, you could be seeing 40 to 60% being accelerated depending on how it's constructed. Wow. So, yeah, there, there could be very, very good properties from a yield perspective. Does a drive-through add to the the? Of course, I mean, and in most cases, the drive-through area is going to have concrete paving versus asphalt paving. So you've got an increase in construction costs, and that's all. Whether it's asphalt or concrete, that's a fifteen-year land improvement asset. Wow, I don't know why I didn't even think about the drive-through until just now. Yeah, and you think of all of the the signage, the electronic signage. Yes, and the speakers and and the wiring and all. Yeah, all of that is a land improvement. So again, quick serve restaurants are unique in that they will have a a large portion of land improvements to to be able to to take advantage of. These are fantastic investments. They can be. I mean, we see a lot of our clients are are trending to this property type. Yeah. And they're very, and you also see that there it relates to the purchase price for these are definitely seeing them increase over the years because I think the popularity that a lot of people are looking at these as investments. 
So what do you say, Bruce? Let's let's buy a Dunkin' Donuts. Come on. Let's do it. It'll Absolutely. be fun. Um, seriously, that would be actually super fun. We could make some some cross irrigation centric donuts. Themed donuts. There we go. Oh. Yeah. Little extra, little extra caffeine for tax season for the tax professionals. Oh my goodness! And on like on three fifteen, there could be special sprinkles or whatever. Ah, uh, okay, I'll take it offline with you, but but I feel like we're onto something. Um, so I have an example here just to give the scope of of savings. So this recent quick service restaurant, actually, so I have here that the Caps engineers were able to move fifty seven percent into five year and fifteen year. There was a basis of 1.3 million and a first year tax savings of over 200 grand. I mean that that sounds typical, right? Well, I, 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 as I said, a QSR can yield between 40 and 60 percent. Yeah. This one was trended toward the, the upper, higher upper end yes. of the scale there. And so, what's interesting is when you think about that, that's chewing into a big portion of the basis. So, in a lot of these cases, we're seeing people. Having and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, maybe allotting, uh, stepping away from taking bonus on all of that because uh. you write it off in year one, great, but then in year two, you only have roughly forty percent of the basis at thirty nine year. Uh. It's a significant difference. Yes. Now, um, you know, not all the time, but it just it just highlights. Yes, these are very very good properties for acceleration. But you have to look at really what is ultimately your goal. Is it just for year one focus or are you looking at over the next five to 10 years? Because, and if you're not adding new properties to the mix, then you really need to be conscious of the fact of how much you're going to accelerate in year one. I see. I see. So moving forward, what kind of, are you seeing any cool trends, anything happening in this, this triple net lease space? Um, one thing that I saw that was interesting is that they, these used to all be national brands. Like it used to only be like a KFC, but now like people are willing to kind of take chances on regional brands and with these kind of leases. Absolutely. I mean, we've also seen this, although we haven't had an opportunity to work with this, but not multinational companies that have built their real estate portfolio to sustain their, or build their business, they've in a lot of cases sold those properties and triple netted them back to the investor. Ah. So you've got anywhere from, as I mentioned, multinationals to regional organizations that have done the same thing, that they realize that their business is not real estate, so they need it for their business. They're going to take that asset, flip it, create a lease structure, and then be able to focus on their business. And the investor has a triple net lease in place with maybe not, say, uh, some of these regional or, or national retails but it might be a very strong regional player. Right, which I thought was sort of an interesting development. I mean, We've also seen that just with regard to uh, medical office or, yes. or we'll call medical retail. We're seeing that as well. So I think that just the whole concept of triple net lease is attractive because in many cases, once again, you're, once again, you're getting back to the fundamentals of a name brand or a strong credit tenant and you've got a, a good reliable lease or long-term lease in place kind of gives, again, a lot of assurance to an investor. That's what I was going to point out is that it's kind of expanding beyond retail. It's not just retail anymore. Like you said, medical facilities, gyms, right? Gyms could be uh, triple net leases, possibly, perhaps? Possibly. Um, at most, a lot of the gyms that we see that the, the gym itself, the operating company, um, 
moved into an existing building or had one built for them. Uh-huh. Like they were just a leased. Someone else built it and they leased it. I see. Um, so we haven't seen as much uh, in, in the gym area, but as we said, which you know, we've got QSRs, we've got retail. We're seeing medical office and medical retail. Uh, we're also seeing some office based uh-huh. on uh, regional uh, players that where they're they're divesting their real estate and focusing on their operating business. So interesting. Gosh, Bruce, you've given me a lot of food for thought. It's a fascinating subject, these fellows. Well, it's just like anything else in in, in real estate that there's always there's always things going on. People looking at different creative ways to generate business, to operate business. Um, and real estate is is a fundamental need for most businesses. And I think um, NAOP for a time would quote that roughly 11 to 12% of our annual GDP is real, commercial real estate driven. So Really? So Goodness. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's a fact to leave us with. Thanks, Bruce. Wow, and thank you so much for joining us on the pod. We really enjoyed having you always, and I look forward to discussing our new Dunkin' Donuts business venture later. There we go. Um, Listeners, if you enjoyed what you heard, why not subscribe? We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or just go to our website at capstantax.com slash podcasts. I'm Helena Carmel. Thanks for tuning in to Capstan Live. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Capstan Live. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Visit our website at capstantax.com for more info on everything we discussed today, plus breaking news, industry blogs, and more. Have a profitable day.